Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm currently eating a bowl of pasta because... Oh, very healthy. Well, kind of, um, but I've been delayed because of the trains. Um, <laughs> they, there's no stri- are there any strikes going on at the moment? There's not, Brian, but there is lots of rain, apparently, and that's enough to just yeah, lose chaos for my it's whole life. A, yeah, I know, I know, really. Just wait until we get into winter and it starts snowing. Mm. I, always, I always say that the quickest way of paralyzing the UK is just lob, lob a big snowboards. That would mm-hmm. do it, you know. Well, I used to work on the trains, right? I used oh, to work right. on them, and I used to get really fed up. People come up and go, "Oh, oh, the trains are delayed," and you're like, "Well, what is it that you think I can do?" <laughs> like, what I, is, I worked in the coffee cart, right? I used to sell coffee, so mm-hmm. it was like, "Well, mm-hmm. you know, I can give you a coffee, but you know, that's going to be at least three quid." <laughs> and I, I used to get quite angry about, it. but. But now I'm on the other side, and I'm like, do you know what? I'm getting irate. I'm getting irate about the fact that they're saying there's trees on the line. I don't know it's not their fault, but yeah. I just feel like, come on. And I, there's always going to be something there, though, isn't there? And I think these the reason I mentioned the strikes is because they seem to they're going to go on and on and on. You know, they're going to dig their hills in, and it's not really solving anything, is it? Really, let's be honest. But I mean, quite apart from that. We've got all the natural hazards, nature's hazards that get in the way, and it doesn't take a lot, does it, really, uh, to, to set it off? I mean, the when we had that massive downfall of rain, when was it Wednesday? Well, at least where I am, it's, it was Wednesday. 
I'm quite close to a tube, my local tube station. It's about a four-minute walk away. But to get to the other side of a big dual carriageway, you have to use the subway. And on that Wednesday, uh, the subway was literally full up with water, <laughs> right? It was literally waist high. And unless you want to take your chances playing chicken with uh, massive lorries, you've got, to, you've got to walk literally 10 or 15 minutes to get to a crossing. But... You know, it, it just shows that the transport system's in more and more chaos, isn't it, really? Oh, I bet you're glad you got out of it, aren't you? I am. And now I'm on the other side, I get to complain and then just sort of saunter off with, my, you mm. know, like a podcast in my ear and a five-pound coffee in my hand, obviously, because yeah. of inflation. And uh, oh, yeah. then I get home and, you know, just scoff down some pasta before I chat to you about films. So I, I'm not really complaining that much about my no, life no, but no. yeah you, know, you just like to have a little gripe you know at the end of, of the day it. It. it makes you feel better doesn't it first world problems eh? and i feel fantastic now so thank you brian for taking that off me all right brian on to some more sort of filmic kind of news what yeah. have you been watching this week what's the last film you've seen the last film i saw um well, not including the, what we're going to review tonight. Oh, ah, right. Okay. Well, the last film I saw was Fisherman's Friends. You the... did. You reviewed it for the site. Uh, yeah. yeah. Were you a fan of the original? The original, yeah. I think the original was great fun. And mm. I, I don't know whether you've noticed or not, but I love British films. I love films that are very British or quintessentially British films. I latch onto those straight away. And a film like that always grabs my attention because there's a kind of a grittiness and a, an earthiness about British films, generally. Mm. It's just the way they're made, the way they're written, the way they're acted. I'm not saying that American films can't do the same thing, but in America, there's just a certain gloss they always put on. Things. Yeah, they, they get the sort of glossy, shiny right, but what they don't get right often is the quaint. You, know, you can't do quaint and humble. Right? You know, that's our, yeah. that's our Exc- strength, I think. Eccentric. Eccentric. Oh, yeah, that too, yeah. Yeah. So, I th- whilst, whilst the... Um, this film wasn't as good as the first one, but I, they never are, as we've said before. Mm. Sequels are never as good as the originals, but it, it does the job. And I've got a strange feeling there's going to be another instalment. You reckon? Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because I was doing some research for the film before and after, and I came across the synopsis for what I thought was the, the sequel, and it's that it actually looks like a synopsis for the next part. Because I was reading it, I thought, hang on a minute. Because the, this film finishes where they make their second album and they appear on the Pyramid stage at Glastonbury. Mm. And, okay, that's where it ends. And I start reading the synopsis and it says, after appearing on the, uh, the uh, Pyramid stage at Glastonbury and making their second album, the band go on tour to Australia and start researching their family tree. I thought, hang on a minute. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, that, now, um, whether that's deliberate or accidental, I don't know, but you think that's obviously a third part, isn't it? So it, mm. it suggests to me that there's a script knocking around for a third part. I'd be amazed if that was me, but bottom line is they're making money. They'll do it again. All right, well, the second one is called Fisherman's Friends One and All. So I'm just going to go on record now and say that there'll be a third one called Fisherman's Friends Down Under. That's what they're going to call it, right? If they're going to Australia, everything's down under, right? Yeah, of course. That's always what it is. And that just makes the most sense. And having I haven't seen the second one. I loved the first one. Like you said, it's not the best film in the world. It certainly isn't. But what it's got is that 
what I classify it, which is a whole genre of itself, is the yeah. easy Sunday movie. It's the yeah. easy Sunday afternoon movie, which you can put on. Pretty much the whole family can watch. It's light. If you fall asleep, it's not really the end of the world. Like, you'll still wake up and know kind yeah. of what's going on. You'll, you'll pick it up. Yeah. yeah. You, you won't lose track. You, you kind of half know where it's going anyway. Yeah. You know. But, <laughs> you know, but look, the bottom line is, we're, are we entertained by it? I think... You'd have to say yes, but I mean, you could you could shoot it full of holes very easily. But, <laughs> you know, that's that's why we're critics, isn't it? But wow, um, and you you don't. I think you're fairly light on it. I think you're I always try to. Nice be. Too. I mean, yeah. I I always do my best to um, be totally fair with it, be as circumspect as I possibly can. But you know, I think reviews all boil down to three main points. You know, what's it about? Who's in it? Is it any good? <laughs> so you build it all around that because that's what people want to know at the end of the day, you know. And um, whilst uh, I, I'm, I think there is going to be a third part, but you think, where else can it go, you know? And mm. you get to a point with any sequel where you think, right, we should stop now because they're in the creative industry. It's about being creative. And again, it's one of my hobby horses because uh, I, I feel that to to keep on making sequels is too safe you find a formula that works you break it that's what you should do and try something new but it's tempting to carry on doing the same thing uh, but you know films rely on on franchises don't they i mean we've always had them you know i can complain about them endlessly but you know we've had franchises for years now James Bond, Rocky, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard. But somehow we never seem to mind with those because I think the characters were a lot stronger in those films. But um, aside from that, though, Fisherman's Friends, yeah, it's based on a true story. That gives it a bit of a bit of added kick, you know. Um, but what about you? What have you... Um, what have you seen? Ooh, do you know, I, I'm so far <laughs> behind. I mean, I, I've been catching up with the festival films, which has been absolutely just glorious. Mm. Um, but I've also been trying to make my way back through the Marvel stuff because oh, right. I had a child last year, almost mm-hmm. a whole year ago, and yeah, he sort of fell behind with all that yeah. stuff. Um, so I watched Doctor Strange, <clears throat> Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Um, and I went in with very low expectations because the Marvel films have been getting a bit of a sort of low rating across the board these days. I think everyone's kind of, funnily enough, they're all sort of saying, oh, they're very samey, but like they were samey b- before. You know, they were, you know, they didn't yeah. do that much different. But I think now what's happened is we've lost the intrigue as to like, oh, this is a new character. This is what they're doing. Mm. That everyone is kind of exposed to it all. And they they can't really reach the levels of pandemonium that they got with like the, the last two, uh, what was it? Infinity War. And mm. I actually can't remember I... the level after that. But it was, it, I think, I went in thinking it was going to be sort of dross, but it wasn't. It was okay. It was. It was okay. There was some good stuff. It was Sam Raimi, which you know he he did it, and mm. there were some good little moments of horror. And actually, the um the guys on the Phantom Zone reviewed it, and 
I'm I'm a nightmare because I I listen to their podcast, so I get mm. all the films spoiled for me. <laughs> so they always spoil uh, the films, but I have no. to listen to them in case those guys decide to run amok. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> you've got to keep <laughs> um, an eye on them. Haven't you? I have to yeah. keep an eye on them. Yeah. So like Thor, I already know kind of what they said about yeah. that. But I agreed very much with what Chris Chris and Ian uh, had said about um, Doctor Strange, and I think there's lots of stuff in there which is good. Like yeah. I did like the horror elements. I think that was a nice little addition to what is often a very safe cookie cutter kind of yeah. world. But then what I didn't like was the fact that it still adhered to all the rules of a Marvel film, and it really did like very little in terms of storytelling for yeah. what you wanted. I, I must admit, I've not seen it yet. I mean, it seems to be the type of film that I kind of get from it as much as I need in the trailers. Because I think, right, I I know what I'm... I know what, we know what we're going to get broadly, you know. Mm. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of Marvel, DC Comics, all that sort of thing. Not really. Um, for me, superheroes start and finish with Batman, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you and Chris will get on well, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but... Um, I think the, no one's denying that they're brilliantly put together. The execution is faultless. But for me, that's part of the problem. And you feel sometimes like you're watching a, a, something on PlayStation rather than a film. And there's very little, too little care given to actual storytelling because that's what films are about, mm. is telling a story. You know, you've got visuals that are faultless, that are almost so good that it's almost sterile and clinical and you think right wait a minute what about the characters what about the storyline what message is it trying to get across or maybe it's not trying to get any message across but they're just very good at selling people the same film but at the end of the day they're probably giving us as as film goers what we want Mm. there's a demand for it but i for me, it, 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 I get lost. I, it, it totally loses me, really. And it's the type of film I think, right, I'll see that at some point. I know it's a film I've got to see, but not right now. And it kind of, every time it gets to near the top of my pile of films to see, whoosh, it goes down again. <laughs> I always think of something I'd rather see first, you know. It's that type of thing. But um, it's the name of the game these days. But... I just think it's sad that it's such a high... Pro- I mean, you look at films that are, are on release at the moment, I know there are. we're still recovering post-COVID and that there are st- there's still more films to films being made and the, the process for, for making and finalising it and editing and distributing a film, all of that's been strung out, so it's taking longer to get better films, you know, mm. big films online. I understand all of that, but there just doesn't seem to be very much on at the moment, not a huge amount. Um, but, you know, like I say, you you accept it, that this is something that's here to stay, but it just makes you wonder how much longer they could keep on going with this. Is the bubble going to burst at some point for, for Marvel, DC Comics, superheroes, you know, that whole genre? Do you think there'll come a point where, where people would just get bored with it and say, give us something different? I think because it's such a money maker, they'll have the direction there. There'll be there'll be people there that know how to guide this towards mm. the right thing, to what audience will want, and they've got enough kind of um, capital to play with. Mm. But in terms of artistically, I think what they may have to face, which will be a hard truth, 
is the fact that the bubble of the superhero era has burst again. Not to say that it won't come back, because obviously mm. we've had we've had different eras of superheroes, but mm. that particular bubble has burst, and now it's a case of what do you want to do? Do you want to kind of keep churning out these sort of average three star films for a while until people do really get sick of it? Or do you want to kind of go away and come back with something that is then groundbreaking? Because I think mm. that's the difference is, you know, when you're getting the the Marvel phase films, like phase one, phase two, and all sorts of stuff, it was pretty unique. You didn't ever have that kind of continuity of storytelling mm. within the superhero world or any movie kind of yeah. world obviously you had franchises but most franchises are like what three films most mm. star wars yeah. a bit more all that sort yeah. of stuff that marvel did something incredible in terms of linking all those stories but now it's done it is done they have to accept the fact that it was done yeah. um with those last two films um that now what we're faced with is this sort of oh okay right so we're restarting the story again we're trying to drum up interest the only thing they've got on their side really is where they've got these quirky superheroes that no one's heard of before and then it's like oh that'll be interesting because you want to find out a bit about them but i don't think it's going to appeal to the masses i think it's going to be still it's going to actually revert back to the people that are actually just generally interested in uh comics which is basically ian and chris you know you can listen to what they want to say about it they'll 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 clue you in but the vast majority of us i think that are going to be you know the eye more of your sort of broader audience members that would maybe partake in a marvel film Mm. i think it's going to take a lot for to bring us back into the fold i think we're all kind of done with it in in Mm. that sense like not being funny we'll we'll catch up and we'll watch them if we want to but i don't think they're going to get anywhere near the level of um you know, craziness that we got before. Yeah. But you see, the thing is, though, I mean, if we look at the um, the year so far, year to date, and we look at what we think are the best films for us, right, you know, our favourite films, of the films that have been released in 2022, you know, I can, I can say now the films that would be at the top of my list, really. And my favourite film of the year so far is Belfast. Mm-hmm. By a country mile, it wow. really is. I just think it's a superb film. It's bright and it's funny and it's moving and it's shot in black and white. I love films shot in black and white. It's got Van Morrison on the soundtrack. You think, this is great. You know, that's what I think is great filmmaking. Great acting, well-written, well-directed, perceptive. It tells you a story. It's clear. There are no, I've said it before and I don't mind saying it again, you know, there are no cars blowing up. There are no <laughs> special effects, no explosions, no nothing. It's just pure characterization, pure storytelling. You know, love that. And and you know, uh, Kenneth, if you want to get on the show, do get in yeah, touch. You know, we're happy to have you. Do come well, on. Absolutely, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, from Marvel to Kenneth Branner to the UK Film Review Festival 2022. Mm. That's a logical you know, segue for me to I make. Think yeah. I think that was pretty seamless. Um, uh-huh. Tonight, or whenever you're listening, this morning, this afternoon, good night. That was the Truman Show, wasn't it? That was a great film. Um, yeah. We're going to be reviewing another five films that are going to be appearing at the festival this year. Um, it was great to do the first episode and review um, those films. So check out that episode again, me and Brian chatting about those. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But tonight we're going to be riffing about five more. And again, no particular um, genre or theme. We're just picking five um, that have yeah, that are definitely going to play at the festival, so that you know what they're about and what we thought of them. And you know, um, I will say now, spoilers. Uh, just because sometimes it's hard to know what a spoiler is and not and what's not with a short film or anything like that. Um, so I'm just going to say spoilers. You know, some of these films we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about the themes and talk about the plots and things. Um, if you want to go in completely not knowing what these films are about, just yeah, maybe come back to this episode like when you've seen them at the festival, um, because yeah, we will want to talk. I think about mm. some of them in quite a lot of detail. So um, yeah, it's fair enough to try and avoid them, but I also want to really get into the <laughs> into the nitty gritty of them. Yeah, um, yeah mm-hmm. which is fair enough. And also, you know, you know, if Ian and Chris are listening, just a spoiler for them because they spoil so many superhero films for me that oh, I think yeah. I feel like I should spoil something for yeah, them. Even the score a little bit, even it up. Yeah. Um, so without further ado, mm. the first film we're going to review is from filmmaker Courtney Geiger, and it's called Clout. When I'm famous. I'm leaving all this shit behind. These interviews and my stepmom, I'm, I'm just done with it all. Yeah, when I'm famous, I'm gonna have a huge mansion and a bunch of expensive cars and, and a pool and I'm gonna throw the biggest party ever. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. But until then, I have you guys and I love you guys so much. Now, this is a feature length um, that is very much in the modern sensibilities of filmmaking and storytelling and playing on aspects of modern life, in particular social media. Um, Brian, are you happy to do the synopsis for this one? Yeah, of course. Okay, so Clout tells the story of a young woman called Vader, Vada, mm-hmm. who, who is known as 3J at various points in the film, then as Bella Diamond. Um, she is ostensibly bright, articulate, very capable, comes out of high school, uh, struggles to get into the right university, can't find a job, so becomes an influencer. She gets her own YouTube channel, She's got an Instagram account. She's vlogging. And it shows how her following gradually builds, uh, how she finds sponsorship. She gets subscribers. And it shows numbers that support her gradually building throughout the film. But also, at the same time, she's dealing with depression. Um, She self-harms. So she has very many, many personal issues which are exposed by her uh, her dependence, her reliance on uh, on being in social media. Now we mentioned the Truman Show earlier on, didn't we? Mm. This is this is really, in many respects, we are living the Truman Show. That you know, um, I understand Banksy allegedly once said that in future we'll all be anonymous for fifteen minutes. And it's kind of like the antidote to what Andy Warhol said about people being famous. It's kind of slightly reversed now. And that this film, I, I think it, it really nails it in so many ways about the life that we do live today and that we do live our lives in a goldfish bowl because, because we let it happen. 
but I think the um, this film is so clever because it shows you where it can all lead, that you don't have any privacy, that you're totally exposed to whoever happens to be listening or watching you, and you, you're so reliant on what they call social affirmation. And this is what happens to Vader in the storyline, is that she becomes a victim of her own notoriety. And it all becomes more about uh, endorsements, people liking her, people recognising what she does, click me, like me, swipe me, whatever it happens to be. And this is a, uh, a story of how her life twists and turns because she has that notoriety through uh, social media. And it really reminded me of a film called Eighth Grade, um, which came out a few years ago, again, dealing with a, a, a vlogger, as they're called, mm. um, you know, a young girl who's putting out these video vlogs. And it was interesting with this film, uh, with Clout, I think going maybe slightly further with it um, with an older character and mm. someone who is actually on the precipice of adulthood mm. um, as opposed to maybe a child mm. where it was really fascinating to see how someone who would potentially have the right capabilities of understanding what they're embarking on and what it means and mm. what, an, what a real human relationship is compared to a virtual relationship and things like that but how that actually we're all guilty of wanting this sort of social acceptance and the gratification which comes with being popular and being um known and mm. the things that she starts to put weight on even mm. when she's surrounded by genuine real things, like she has a partner, a, a very sort of doting boyfriend, yeah. Yeah. that she sort of doesn't appreciate that because she's so focused on growing her follower numbers and having more engagement and sponsorships and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. That it becomes this sort of seductive, addictive lifestyle that trumps anything else that's even real in her life. And, yeah, I just think it's uh, actually a very powerful film. And when you start watching it, you know, I think mm. everyone could be forgiven if they do feel that the beginning of it and when it starts, you're sort of thinking, oh, this is a bit facile and it's a bit kind of, oh, obviously, oh, it's like, oh, someone's making a YouTube into a film. Mm. But it, it becomes so much more. You must stick with it. You must yeah. watch all the chapters and all yeah. the little stories which – grow into something and I, I i won't spoil the end on this because we don't need to yeah. but it is something which escalates into yeah. very very dark drama and yeah i was pulled right into it i remember chatting yeah. to my wife about it afterwards i was sort of saying oh yeah it was a really powerful film yeah. and i was really moved by it and as i said i think the themes and everything it picks up on uh, on the one hand they're they're very modern themes about the whole digital world that we live in yeah. but on the other hand they're actually very kind of classic themes of human uh vulnerability and and mm. the things that we do in order to find acceptance in order to find fulfillment yeah. and how we want to pursue maybe our lives and yeah i just thought it was great really enjoyed yeah. it i know i i think the thing is when you start watching it it does come across a bit like a kind of a homemade 
student type film but it's not mm. that at all but it's not because no, it, it's not because it's it's portraying the way she sees the world through social media and that it is it is an artificial environment uh but what i think um really hit home with me was that there is someone who's actually very vulnerable anyway and very um deeply affected by what people think of her we all care what people think of us but on social media it all becomes magnified and that where she can see this counter slowly building up and she automatically thinks that converts into popularity and that the fact that she goes from 200 to a thousand to five then to ten thousand and so it goes on she just assumes that that everyone loves what she's doing Mm. but it's just storing up potential um criticism that waits for her because they don't approve of something she's done or they don't like what she's done um and you don't have that in a normal existence you don't have that you don't have that kind of reach without social media we just have our own circle don't we or family and friends but on social media you have something that's a lot bigger and a lot broader and there are people that you don't know and people that you never see Right. And I think that's the, it really shows what the danger of social media is and how we can all get sucked in and how being an influencer can be seen as a substitute for a proper life, a real life. As you say, she had a, a relationship with a decent man that she just rejected, really. So she was rejecting anything that, re, that resembled normalcy. And that's quite riveting in some ways because you can see how someone could be drawn in. Because we look around us, we all know someone that's really into this sort of thing. I mean, I I feel grateful that I predated social media, that I remember life before social media, and I can live without it. But there are people that have grown up with social media that know nothing else but. And the, this is what this character is focusing on, really, is that this is all she knows. And it, it's engrossing. You know, you can't, you can't, it's not the sort of film that, I mean, I saw it all the way through. It's, I thought I was going to watch that film in sections, but I actually sat down and watched the whole lot because once you start, you think, right, I've got to know what's what comes next. And um, very well acted as well. You know, yeah, you, don't feel, I, you don't feel you're watching yeah. a film in some ways. It does. It kind of um, broaches that almost mockumentary sort of feel yeah. where you're like, is this real? Maybe it could be real. It could, you know, this could be yeah. someone's actual YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be worth just sort of shouting out to Martina Cora, who plays the, yeah. the lead character. Uh, I think she's great. Um, yeah. Nicholas Kulisi, um, he plays Tyler, the boyfriend. I think yeah, together they, they have this great kind of um, chemistry, but also having to present the impact of her fame and her YouTube channel on their relationship in a way that felt real and authentic yeah. because the cameras are kind of like always rolling. She's always trying to film whatever's going on. And yeah. I, there was a few bits which I really loved, which were um, she's doing this sort of heartfelt moment to the camera and something's yeah. gone on. I can't remember quite what it was. And then the camera dies. So the battery runs out and then she picks up and obviously she's gone away, charged the camera come back on and picks up as if nothing happened and just literally carries on. And I thought that was so telling of how people are feeling now and feeling like, oh, okay, well, if I'm going to have like some big heartfelt emotional breakdown, I must make sure I capture it on camera. I'm not sure you're sure it's film, yeah. But you see, you think, yeah, I, I think Tyler's frustration there. I mean, you kind of, 
you, you relate to him straight away because he, he's sort of playing along with it because he, because he has genuine feelings for her. He mm. plays along with it, but it gets to a point where you think, I can't cope with this anymore. That you're filming everything. <laughs> He's just filming everything and putting it out there. And I'd, I'd feel the same way. So it's it kind of touches a lot of chords because of the influence that social media has in our lives now. And I think like they also tap into the element of that sort of fame or reaction that you might get that often it isn't a reward for being you and being kind of mm. just positive it's often things which people just want to see which is like you know she's this isn't a spoiler cause it's quite early on like she self-harms and that's how she grows quite quickly she suddenly mm. be, becomes popular because of she's tapping into something which is very emotive mm. and very uh dramatic that yeah. people vibe people with that yeah, people relate to it, don't they? Yeah, and then she then grows from there and she tries to t- do certain things and, and, and she's always concerned about like making sure that it keeps going, going, going. Um, but she's always saying things like, oh, make sure you subscribe. And she's like peddling um, these like jelly antidepressants yeah. and things. Uh, yeah, that, smileys. Yeah, smileys, which I thought smileys. was brilliant. That's such yeah. a funny <laughs> thing to them to peddle because, yeah, I think but, it's so important to talk about that in terms of yeah. like, you know, you get these influencers that they inevitably fall into the capitalist trait of like, yeah. okay, well, how do I use this in order to monetize it? And, yeah. you know, I think that was so clever, though, to sort of write that into the storyline and say, right, she's going to be an influencer, but what is she going to be promoting? Mm. What is she going to be helping sell? Antidepressants. You know, you think oh, that is that is just in some ways a stroke of genius because you think, well, it kind of ties in with all the vulnerabilities and weaknesses that come out through social media, right? She's selling someone a product that she knows they're going to need, they're going to want, mm. Um it all kind of fits in so well. It's very well thought out and very well written. The plotting's really good, I think. Absolutely. We're going to move on to our next... This is a short film next. Um, it's called Chapel of Rest, and oh. it's um, from filmmaker Ian Cash. Hi, this is Ian Cash, the writer-director of Chapel of Rest. Thank you so much for putting Chapel of Rest onto your podcast. I appreciate all the help that we can get in this industry. Um, You've been great to us in the past reviewing uh, Dear John, I'm Sorry, and now this. Um, Thank you so much. And if you wish to find out more information about the short films, then please look us up on our social medias at Chapel of Rest Short Film. Thank you so much and enjoy the movie. This sort of caught me by surprise um, Mm. because... Not to sort of bring all the mood down, but I, I'd gone through a, um, a funeral earlier this year, and mm. this film talks about a few things um, to do with COVID and, and to do with um, funerals and stuff. So I was slightly kind of um, emotional towards the, some of the content. Mm. But that being said, it is a film that is spectacularly mysterious and dark mm. and gripping. Um, I know Ian Cash is a. Um, He's, he's a he's a great filmmaker. We've we've mm. reviewed a few uh, things for him before, and um, I'll, I'll do the quick synopsis on this. So, um, a, a a priest or a, or a vicar is, is called in to do a funeral, um, but there's no one there, and he's well, or or at least it's taking place sort of after maybe the service has happened, and he's just sat there with one of the um, pallbearers um, uh, called Neil, and 
the uh, I think the father Jones is the main character, and he he can't remember the person who's been buried, and he can't really understand why he's been called in for this specific mm. service. And then as him and Neil kind of chat, something dark and quite sort of sinister starts to mm. unravel in terms of why they're there. Um, as I said uh, earlier on, right, trying to avoid spoilers, but yeah, there's there's more to this meetup than yeah. meets the eye. Mm. Um, what do you think, Brian, of this? I really enjoyed it. I think it was it delivers a a bit of a kick at the end. It, mm. There is this thing in the tale there that you genuinely I wasn't expecting. Um, it's basically a two hander, isn't it? It's between the the Roman Catholic priest who's come back to his old parish. And he doesn't know why he's been called back. And you've got Neil, he's sitting there in front of the co- coffin. Um, and as, the, as the, the conversation develops, and they do this very quickly, really, because it's only 15 minutes. That's what I find really impressive about this piece, is that they get all this information in, in a very limited time span. And it's actually, it, it does turn very sinister and very dark. And you think, God, I never realized that. But that interplay between just two, basically two characters, I think it was really impressive to get that amount of detail in and move this, the plot along at a place that's comfortable for the viewer, but also gets you gets you that payoff as far as the storyline is concerned. Um, but it, it's, it's very surprising. There's a real twist there. But when you've watched it once and you think, oh, right, yeah, the clues were there within the first two or three minutes. There were very sort of delicately, delicately placed clues at the very beginning that should have given you an idea of what was going on, but it's the type of thing that only becomes obvious once you've finished watching it. But um, very cleverly put together, a very sort of haunting atmosphere. It kind of comes through really strong, and they get they get all of that in in a very short time span. That's what really impresses me is that they can get all of this in. They can introduce. All right, there are two characters there. They're talking about the. The, uh, the person in the coffin, that's the third character, if you like, and they're trying to work out who this person is, how they relate to the two of them as well, which becomes more obvious as, as the story unfolds. But it's very well done. It really is very well done. And it there's something surprising at the end that you just wouldn't expect. And I think it, it hits all the right marks and does, does what a short film should do, is to get give you that payoff at the right point in the film and doesn't leave any loose ends because you know straight away what the film's about and where it was going. It, it's very good. Very impressed with it. Well, I thought, because um, this is a film that it's... I don't think it's got much of a budget um, and no. very simple ingredients. It's not trying to... There's only one location. They're not no. trying to do, a, you know, masses. Um, that it is then going to rely very heavily on the performers, two central performers, mm. that both were so good. They were yeah, brilliant at absorbing you into this drama, which yeah. is really dark and engrossing. Um, the camera movement was really great. It kind of like was like this lurking presence. Um, it was a bit sort of foreboding and slightly evil presence that was going around these two characters, mm. obviously in a um, religious setting. And, that really worked to to heighten this sense of yeah. what's going on here, what yeah. is actually happening, because there's something more to this meeting yeah. than meets the eye that 
it really absorbed you and i i was yeah. just sucked right into it really loved it um yeah. yeah i think also the um kind of like the body language the non-verbal signals they were both giving off i i think again particularly in the show how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Film, you can, you've got a limit. Obviously, you can have a limited script. Mm. So you're relying on the actors to emit the right nonverbal signals, expressions, mannerisms. They were all coming off really clearly. So you were picking up on that as well. So straight away, it invites you to draw conclusions about these characters, not just based on what they're saying, but based on um, the, the relative discomfort they both felt that they were in territory that wasn't they were, weren't entirely comfortable with. And that where the conversation suddenly turns from being very, very polite and very convivial, where, where uh, Neil offers him a, a cup of tea, and takes it, oh, it's nice, you've got the right amount of sugar in. But it turns, it suddenly turns very quickly, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and you, again, it, nothing signposted, right? It, it, it comes as a surprise, but um, I liked it. I, I think really um, any director that can cut his teeth or her teeth making a short film, you know, is really, really proving they can, they can make films. You know, you can just imagine him making a feature film um, because it's it's a, a completely different discipline, I think, making a short film that's 10 or 15 minutes long. And he does it really well in cash, I think. So, yeah, um, resounding approval for Chapel mm-hmm. of Rest. Um, yeah, check it out at the festival if you can. And, it, yeah, also... Um, check out the reviews of Ian Cash's films on our website. He's done a couple um, that we've covered, like Dear John, I'm Sorry, and Trust. So he's he's a very um, talented short filmmaker, and I think it's such a great film to have in the lineup because it really feels high production, um, gripping, but in the way that sort of like 
has that independent short feel that he's mm. maybe controlled every element of it because that's often mm. what you don't you know we were talking earlier about marvel films and things you don't yeah. get that with that sense like, even with someone like sam raimi directing it it's like they still have to abide by you know all the execs and all those rules yeah. whereas with this they get to create and control all the elements and it's done in a way which totally pays off so mm. yeah thoroughly recommend yeah, chapel of rest absolutely. if you get to see it um mm. Okay, we're moving on to Brother Troll. You won't have to hurt a gutter to rest. It's gonna quarter from. notice about this one this does <laughs> deal with some names and credits which i do not 100 percent feel confident to pronounce <laughs> um, and i let's, will let's not <laughs> i'm gonna put out an apology right now just in terms of you know we'd love to be able to say your names brilliantly but we can't um no, no. and it's our ignorance um yeah. but it, uh, I'm going to give it a go just for the director and writer, uh, Goodman Helmsdahl. I feel that that's okay. If I pronounce it wrong, I apologize. Um, but um, Brother Troll, uh, Brian, give us yeah. the, the rundown on this one. Well, okay then. Well, look, I've got to be honest. I've got to confess my ignorance here because I never realized there was a film industry in the Faroe Islands. Mm. Right. But they do have an industry of sorts. They've been making films there since the 1970s, which is something I never realised until I watched this film. They have a an annual film prize. They give film grants. And really, this film, Brother Troll, was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, it's basically the story of three brothers living in a very remote, desolate part of the Faroe Islands. And one of them dies, leaving two brothers behind, Peter and Jacob, and and it shows how they try to pick up the pieces after the death of their older brother. Uh, Peter is ultra-religious. Um, Jacob isn't. He's a, a very heavy drinker, and it, it just basically shows um, how they cope with the loss of their other brother hmm. and how they continue to live their lives such as they are. Um as I say, pleasantly surprised by this film because, for one thing, Fair Islands isn't something I would associate with filmmaking at all. So it was surprising from that point of view. But it, what really impressed me about this was the how actually quite emotional it was. Um, first 10 or 15 minutes, I wasn't really clear about where it was going, but mm. it reached a climax and it was kind of begging for a happy ending. And they gave us the happy ending. But they snatched it away again very quickly. 
<laughs> just as we we kind of relax and we watch the closing credits, then we can sigh. Uh, I think, oh, that's nice. That's good. But it doesn't necessarily give you that. Or allegedly so. I think it still leaves some open ends there. But um, a very good film, very cleverly put together, very well uh, observed as to how they're, they're farmers in, in that kind of environment where they all they've got is each other, all they've got is the land. And you think, where someone so integral to their life disappears, what happens then? And it's quite touching, I think, and it's very watchable. And as I say, a happy ending, or so I thought, was taken away very quickly, so it's quite cruel in some ways. But good filmmaking, effective filmmaking, I would say. Absolutely. I 100% agree with what you said. Um, It's a film that captures something very sort of authentic and has this sort of feel to it that they don't veer off into what, like you say, what you think is going to happen. They don't feel the need to sort of pacify the the viewer. And I loved the fact that it was all in this, I mean, it's quite stunning location. Yeah, it's beautiful. This mountainside yeah. with yeah. a beautiful creek or yeah. river sort of, going through um it kind of looked a little bit sort of lord of the rings-esque I was I know. Like, this looks yeah, sort of it, fake you know is, is yeah. this green screen <laughs> um and i think that natural landscape really does um support this story which has got this humble sort of fable like feel to it of two mm. brothers dealing with grief but then struggling to deal with each other with different viewpoints on life Mm. um that it worked in this sort of um way that felt very accessible even though it is in its original language there's Mm. obviously english subtitles um for people to to watch it uh for the festival but it's not um it doesn't say oh, okay well we better do an english so that people can kind of like access the story they say no actually it's it's got its own feel and authentic uh atmosphere that you really must um embark on that it really really works i know um shout out to uh patrick uh patrick foley one of the uk film review critics because he reviewed it and he gave it five stars back in march and i thought yeah. patrick he's an incredible critic he really is um mm. so for him to have given given five stars to a short mm. film, I really took notice. I thought, wow, yeah. <laughs> I must seek this out. And I'm so happy we've got it in the lineup. I really am. Because yeah. it's something very different. I don't think there's a film like this on the roster. I really don't. Um, and it it plays really well with cinematic tropes, things that you maybe expect and things that you then don't expect. But also with a storyline that has quite a lot of meat to it especially when you start to sort of um unravel what's going on and, and where it's going and we're trying to sort of maybe mm. keep up with where it's going i thought the two performers were great mm. the uh, I, I, again i'm gonna say the landscape was just beautiful really stunning to watch and they filmed it excellently there's this sort mm. of shot quite early on in the film where he's sort of in between two very sort of large rock scapes and yeah. he's looking out and it just has that feel of actually transporting you to a completely different place. That's what yeah. I think is very impressive for what is a you know a short film. Yeah. It really did feel that it, it transported me to somewhere else. I thought yeah. it was great. 
And also, I think there was a suggestion there where it wasn't obvious what period, time period we were talking mm. about. It no, wasn't not clear to me whether, and that was that kind of was to its advantage in some ways because it it's not restricted or limited in any way. You don't feel it's contemporary. You don't feel it's a period drama. You're not really sure, but in some ways, it kind of shifts that out of the way, and you, it lets you at the characters more. It lets you access the characters more easily because we're not talking about any specific time period. Um, so that kind of helps as well. Um, again, very impressed with it, really. It really was. And the visuals are stunning. And I think it's a great, a great way of promoting the Faroe Islands as a place to film as mm. well. I mean, you can imagine what, what they could do with with locations like that. So it's got that going for it as well, that it helps to promote the Faroe Islands as well, which is good. Fantastic. Mm. Next up, we're moving on to a short film directed by Will Mascheter, um, who co-writes with Will O'Keefe, and it's called Community Service. Now, again, shout out to a different film critic, uh, William Hemingway, mm. who is also, he can be quite, uh, shall we say, you know, um, specific about the films that he likes and especially mm. short films he can be um uh not harsh but i think fair um mm. again gave it five stars and i thought mm. wow okay again need to look at this and <laughs> need to make sure I, yeah. I catch up on this and i'm so happy that i did because mm. it's a really interesting piece uh it plays on a lot of topics that are very prevalent right now in terms mm. of um, the elder generation coinciding mm. or coexisting with the younger generation in society, but also more specifically to do with um, the topic of assisted death, yeah. euthanasia. Mm. Um, it is a largely, I think it's completely non-dialogue. I don't think there's any dialogue. Um, in no, is there, there a is bit? A, or? No, no. There's no, yeah, um, so it, it plays no, out as a, as a, as a, silent in terms of no no dialogue but there is there's soundtrack and there's music um it's also mostly black and white apart mm. from um a few bits which get colored colored added to them which makes it very poignant in terms of those scenes um and it revolves around a, a character called Hugh played by Bill Best mm. who is in his older years and he's struggling um day-to-day activities are, are very difficult for him um just you know making a cup of tea or or, mm. or leaving the building is a huge effort for him and everything is just a struggle he um comes he keeps having to go past a group of youths or or a, like a gang who are on mm. the sort of estate where he lives um and you see them kind of interact and, and how he sort of uh I, I what was that? There was a film with Michael Caine, is it Harry Brown or something? Oh, Harry Brown, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Well, it gave me those kind of vibes to begin yeah. with. It was like him, uh, you yeah. know, like it is you similar, say, yeah, yeah. The similar kind of yeah. tone, but it's not that film. It's a very different film uh, yeah. when it, you know, the second half. But that was the kind of vibe I was getting for it. But it was very well done, very well executed so effective and it would be the film that would very much get people talking i can imagine you know if a group of people watch this they're going to have a lot to to chat about what do you think bro no i thought it was excellent it is really thought-provoking there are two things that i really liked about this one that it was shot in black and white i love films that are shot in black and white because you get 
um, more of a sharper contour, I think, than you would do with color, right? And you, you get an impact with, with it being shot in black and white. And the, the other thing that impressed me about it was the fact that there was no, as we just said, there's no script or dialogue at all. I think apart from a, a written message that was passed between two of the characters, there was no, there was no, nothing spoken at all. Mm. So you rely on images, you rely on gestures and mannerisms. Again, touches on the points we were making earlier on about nonverbal signals. To tell a story in that way takes a lot of skill. It really does. And it's dealing with some very dark issues. You know, it's dealing with solitude and loneliness. It's dealing with age. It's, de- it's dealing with um, the loss that we feel when when, our, when someone's partner leaves them. Okay, in this storyline, Hugh's wife presumably died, um, had her remains um, in a casket. Um, it's very moving. It's incredibly sad. And the the title of the film as well, Community Service, is is very sort of intricate in the way it fits in with the storyline itself, um, where what one of the characters does is seen as providing a service. And it is, as you say, it's the, dealing with, with controversial issues as well about euthanasia, about somebody wanting to end their life. Um, it's, it's a bit of a downer, but you know, you can't, <laughs> You can't help but be impressed by it because it's it's drawing attention to issues that are will always be current, will always be active, and be open for discussion. And the best way to deal with these issues is to be able to discuss it openly. And this is what it does, um, and it does that very well. But it, it's 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 very sad. It's very moving, and it deals with some the the saddest parts of life, really. Um, but you can't deny that it's brilliantly executed. It really is. And I think, so, you know, just hearing you chat there about it, that you know, it's, it's sort of slightly dawned on me that you know, maybe the the choice to put this in you know, a non-dialogue film mm. is to reflect the lack of voice that people feel yeah. when it comes to choosing to end their life or, mm. or wanting to at least have that conversation yeah. about quality of life and... What can we do you know, to to make people more comfortable, especially mm. when what happens can feel so cruel and so yeah. un- inhumane? Uh, I mean, the only film I, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of films that have covered or at least broached the topic. I, I remember watching Me Before You, uh, oh, a film yeah. with Sam Claflin and Amelia Clark a while back, and yeah. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was a good film. It, it kind of I think it's based on a book, but it, it played very well in terms of the that it could happen to a younger character yeah. i thought that was very interesting because everyone thinks about oh, okay well it, you know, it's older generation and you know this film is dealing with that but you know the fact that you can get people that you know it just it unfortunately been dealt a terrible hand and you just think well should we not at least have the conversation should we not at least open this up and i think one of the great things about film is that an art is it opens up that conversation opens up that dialogue to say look you know actually we should be talking about this mm. this person doesn't seem to be able to have the voice and you know this story of this character is something which is very very common throughout all mm. communities and all cultures that mm. people and it's, it's very few places in the world where euthanasia is legal um that 
yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into the politics of it or mm. anything like that, but I think I love when filmmakers are very daring and someone, yeah. you know, like this, you know, uh, Will Mash decides to go, yeah, we're going to talk about this in what is it, you know, a 20 minute short film, but mm. incredibly potent and powerful short yeah. film is, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. The thing is, I, I think it, it brings to mind um, this constant sort of battle between us just wanting to uh, see something that's completely escapist and wanting to be entertained, or do we want to be uh, educated? Do we want to be enlightened? Mm. Particularly when we're dealing with the darker side of life, when we're dealing with... I mean, as a society, I don't think we deal with death very well. I don't think we deal with... The question of euthanasia at all is something we don't feel able to talk about. And as you just said, to put it into a film like that, we'll get people talking about it. But, of course, it's something that people will push to one side. And mm. there are some people that won't want to even broach the idea of watching a film like this. But I think you should. Because it's part, you know, it's it's another part, side of life that we feel we should compartmentalise because we don't want to think about it, right? But probably in a film, it's the best place of, of it's the best way of dealing with it because that, then we, we see it for what, for what it is. So I think films do have that function. They don't just entertain, but they enlighten and they educate and they encourage people to talk about subjects they normally wouldn't talk about. So I think it, it does the job. And that film was called Community Service. Again, part of this year's festival. Um, so do check it out and read the review as well. Uh, read the reviews of all the films, to be honest. Um, it's worth checking out because we do dedicate a lot of time to going into these films and making sure that you know, we explore the elements to it. And yeah, all these films have been really well reviewed by the critics. Mm. Um, last up is Paul Holbrook's Hollow. Lord, you are the light and you are the way. In your grace, with your power, show me the strength and the goodness. I want him dead. Guide me, Lord. Tempt me not. Keep me above this, my Lord. This is excellent. I'm just going to say it straight away. I think this is absolutely excellent. Um, yeah. I love Paul. Um, he's done numerous films that we've reviewed. Um, I remember coming across one of his shorts called Sunday Worship years ago, absolutely years ago. And he even, I think he put it on UK Film Channel where people could watch it, mm. it which dealt with um, dementia and, and things like that. That was absolutely striking brilliantly done you have you seen uh sunday worship brian yeah i think i did a, a fair while ago though yeah, yeah just because scary. um yeah. i thought yeah you're a bit of a you're a footy fan aren't you? you like football and all that sort of oh yeah yeah Absolutely. so it, it deals with the character that goes to the football yeah. matches i think you, yeah you get, get going. um but hollow very different film to that but equally as impressive and gripping um is it my turn to do the rundown, or is it your turn yeah, to do the rundown? You have I'll have a go. Sorry. So um, we've got there's three central characters in this film. Um, there is 
someone who's just been released from prison um, mm. called mm. Lavin, I think, and played by Chris Hitchin. His former partner, um, played by Laura Baston, uh, who actually plays a character called Laura, so that's a bit confusing, um, mm. is absolutely traumatized by this release. And it becomes clear that um, Lavin has done something horrific in the past in order to be put away um, in jail that Laura has never got over um, mm. and is now on the precipice of seeking revenge uh, and vengeance against this character and is only kind of um, held back by first off obviously her uh, anxiety over maybe going ahead with this but also a character um, Father Hill played by Carl Collins who is trying to use his position as a man of faith to sort of bring her back and stop her maybe doing something that is going to be completely overwhelming and, and terrible but he's also facing his own demons as to um you know the the role of god and mm. what's actually meant to be right and wrong in this modern world he faces racial abuse um and in his own area and and also then yeah trying to maybe get involved with the situation where he is putting himself between Laura and Lavin and, and trying to um, sort of uh, turn down the, the heat on that situation. Mm. And inevitably drama unfolds and it becomes incredibly dramatic and thrilling, to be honest. Um, mm. Brilliantly filmed, very bold, uses lots of, locations which i always think you know if a short filmmaker is going to do that they need to do it right and i think yeah. paul holbrook is the man to do that he does it very very well um lots of great set pieces there's very um remarkable visuals like there's a scene where laura's in like a, an alleyway and there's like steam rising from the floor and mm. i thought that was like you know her kind of purgatory it's like she's yeah. in this place where it's like what's she gonna do how is her character gonna react yeah. now what is she going to fall over the edge or is she going to be able to sort of redeem herself what do you think bro i i thought it was excellent um you can't help but be, be impressed about all of it in every mm. every sort of aspect of the film it has that kind of that edge about it that kind of style that kind of raises it above other films it deals with so many issues as well because you know the main character laura um, you put yourself in her shoes and what she's been through, right? I mean, she's feeling a sense of revenge of wanting to even the score. Um, she lost a child. You feel for her straight away, right? You know, good plotting, good storytelling puts you in the shoes of the character straight away. You're on her side straight away. That's whose side you're on. That's good storytelling because it puts you in that position. You feel... Uh, part of the storyline you feel like you're there with them but it's dealing with some very deep issues really particularly about faith mm. you know the concepts of faith and the part that it plays in dealing with trauma dealing with loss dealing with violence um testing that faith um and it makes you think about what faith means you know um and also i think the the vicar, the uh, the priest, uh, Father Hill, has a pivotal role in the story, really, because supposedly he's trying to keep her on an even kill and trying to help her rationalise the way she feels, which is almost impossible, really, you think, in some ways, because you think, what could he possibly say 
that will make her feel any better. Uh, so make her feel any better about what's happened. Make her feel uh, more kindly disposed towards Lavin. You know, could she ever forgive him? You know, all these issues come racing to the surface. And it puts so much in to the story. There's so many strands to it. And you think, this is a great piece of filmmaking. It really is. And, of course, the actors that are involved are great as well. I think Laura Baston was mm. excellent. Yeah, you know, she, she was phenomenal. Yeah. She p- portrayed that sense of anger, loss, betrayal. You know, it all, it all comes out. It's, and you feel for her so much. Uh, you feel for her as, a, as another human being, but as a mother as well. The fact that she couldn't, in her own mind, she couldn't protect her own child. She couldn't keep her own child safe. Mm. And uh, in in the mind of any person, you'd feel failure yourself if you couldn't protect your child in that way. So that's coming through as well. It's it's a very very classy piece of filmmaking, and it's it deserves. I mean, has it won any kind of awards at all? Do you know? I Is mean, it yeah, let's have a look. Um, yeah, it's won a few Rhode Island International Film Festival, Best Cinematography, um, a I few others. I believe that as well. Yeah, a few, uh, sort of Manchester, Crystal Palace, um, yeah. yeah. So it, it deserves that recognition because it is a, a very stylish piece of filmmaking. And really, if you look at the films that we've we've had in the, the festival the last couple of years, they've all been good. Mm. The standard's always been very high. But I think this year, the standard's gone up a notch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, felt, I've felt that too. Yeah, yeah definitely. But that, this film, Hollow, kind of stands out even more because you think, God, this is really, really high-quality filmmaking. Um, yeah, very Actually, Yeah, it gave me that feeling of... It works perfectly as a short film, like absolutely hits the nail. Look, it's incredible, but it also could be a feature. Totally, mm. it could easily stretch out into a feature, but it could also even work as a serial. It could work as yeah. a you know. You can imagine this being like ITV, you know, over yeah. six episodes playing yeah. out with all this drama. And I think it's such a rich story, yeah. full of all these themes. That when it did finish, I did have this slight sense of. Wow, like I'm, I'm absolutely like exhausted because it's so. Yeah. Uh, it's know, quite so draining. Much. Yeah, it's I, quite draining. But on the other side, I've also, I also wanted more. I was like, I, I, yeah. I don't feel ready to leave this yet. Yeah. Um, and what I, I think was great, you know, you talked about this like uh, playing around with the idea of faith and, and things, mm. and for me, it was also redemption because yeah. you had this character who'd got out of prison who certainly did not seem to have done his time and be in a place where you know he's accepted what he's done and he's ready to move on and no one is no one in this situation has actually had any closure on the tragedy which had happened and all of them are are spiraling towards a place where inevitably there's going to be more tragedy because it's not being dealt with not in a proper way and they're also also feeling all these um extremity pressures of the society mm. around them and things sort of crumbling and failing because the society, you know, it's not there. There's no support network and mm. all the characters are struggling that you can't help, but feel like uh, they're all journeying towards the edge of this cliff that you're like, yeah. well, you know, someone's got to stop them. Someone's got to intervene, but yeah. all they're waiting for really is divine intervention, which just yeah. never comes. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I think 
with Lavin as well, it's also a question of rehabilitation, isn't it? Mm. Whether you, you believe anyone can be rehabilitated after a crime like that. Mm. Are they ready to be uh, released back into society? And have they actually really paid their debt to society? It could never repay the debt to Laura at all. It's just not possible. But is anyone ever in a position to live a normal life again after what's happened? You know, if you look at um, if you look at Laura, who's I mean, she's not she is the victim, but she's not because it was a child that was that died. But you know. She's the victim. Is she going to recover from it? No, she's not. Lavin's not going to recover from it. If he's half human, he won't. There's that as well. You know, there's all kinds of strands you can pull on there. And I think the it does have potential to, to go off in any number of directions. And you could imagine it. That's a sign of, of a great short film when you think it could go in all kinds of other directions. But it's been contained in a neat 29-minute story. Uh, which is is impressive as well, um, you know. So it's good stuff, you know. Very impressed. And yeah, just absolute shout out to Paul Holbrook who's directed mm. that. Um, yeah, I, I think having read his bio and a bit more about him and where he came from in terms of making this film, mm. uh, I won't go into any detail. I'm not sure it's my story to tell, but I think. Um, yeah, it's a very heartfelt piece, let's just say that. And I think yeah. that he does well, and you can feel that as well. You can feel this comes across as a very sort of authentic uh, you know, um, piece about the area as well that it's in, the you know, yeah. impoverished area and, and how that can also play its part. And you know, <clears throat> the the role of someone like a priest or a vicar you know, mm. trying to keep together these social fabrics which you know there's just no chance there's you know yeah. there's so much anguish and pain and, and things yeah. going on here that it, it it just sort of writes itself unfortunately that i think paul does really well to put those on screen yeah. in a short film that isn't trying to sort of play up to that and, and, and take advantage of it but actually depict something that is still very real and still very yeah. you know nourished in terms of a storyline i think it works really well I think any writer and director will draw on their own experiences and the environment they grew up in, people that they've known. It all comes through because really, you know, if you gave any advice to an aspiring writer, you'd say to them, write about something you know, write Mm. about something you understand. And I think it becomes more authentic because you're writing about something that's real. You're writing about people that you've met, people that you've been close to. Um, I, I mean, going back to Father Hill, though, for a moment, I think as a priest, his position within that piece is is a problematic one, isn't it? Mm. Because he's trying to rationalise his belief in, in God, and God is good. And at one point in the, in the story, they, they kind of touched on this notion that, you know, if God is all-seeing and all-powerful, why doesn't he do something to stop this sort of thing from happening? And, it, and it's... It's been used a lot in the past, but it's still valid. You think, yes, we believe it, that, that God is there and God is good, but why doesn't he stop things from happening sometimes? You know, mm. And that's a question that a priest could never answer, not properly. <clears throat> um, so, you know, it's good stuff. It's very well written, very well, very well thought out. And deals with some quite... Uh, deep and profound issues, but keeps them accessible at the same time. 
I think. Um, it's good stuff. Excellent. Um, so that was Hollow, um, that again will be playing at the 2022 UK Film Review Festival, uh, along with the other films that we've uh, reviewed tonight. Just a quick reminder of those. So there was Clout, um, Chapel of Rest, Brother Troll, Community Service, and then, yeah, Hollow. Um, it's been, to be honest, I, you know, I don't say this lightly, but it has been an immense pleasure to watch these films um, and, and review them in a sense, and also to be able to spend time with you, Brian, to talk yeah. about them, because I think that's <clears> one <throat> of the things that a festival should do, is to encourage that community um, approach to it, and to be able to actually really, because obviously you've said a lot tonight about the films, the things that okay, maybe I thought them or maybe I, I would have had them somewhere in my mind, but to actually engage with you on them and, and talk about them really enriches the experience for me and really actually, you know, like your, your, just your comments on like Brother Troll and the, the way that you saw the film, I think that's really magical, being able to <clears throat> properly go into detail about yeah. these films. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's been great. I think you, as you say, by discussing them, though, it shows that the films have worked. Mm. You know, if any director whose film we've reviewed it's listening to this, I hope they'd be quite uh, heartened by it because it's provoked so many talking points. And that's the idea of a film. It's communicating a message. It's telling a story, but it's communicating a message. And how does that message get across? How does it make you feel? How does it make me feel? Right? What's the emotional impact been for us as viewers? Mm. Right? And you only get that when you talk about it. And that, to me, is a sign that a film has worked. A director can step back and puff his or her chest out and say, right, that's the job done for me. I've, my job's done. My work is done. I've, I've managed to get across that message and I've created a talking point. And that's why, why films are made. You know, obviously, if you make a bit of money as well, that's all good. But, you know, from a kind of an artistic uh, and emotional point of view, uh, you've got something out there that means something to other people. Mm. You know, and that to me is what makes a good film. What we've discussed here tonight are very, very well-made films. Excellent. Thank you so much um, for joining us tonight and, and wherever you're listening. Um, feel free to catch up on other episodes of the UK Film Review podcast. We'll be putting out more. Um, there's more festival films to come. Mm-hmm. And the festival will take place over a weekend in November and you can access that from anywhere in the world, uh, be online. And there's also um, access for want-to-be film critics to, to sign up and review the films as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. and you know, get feedback on these movies. Because as we've just mentioned, you know, these guys pour their absolute blood, sweat and tears into these films. Often but you know, fud- funding them themselves and... You know, working other jobs in order to do this because it's the absolute passion to get these stories out and you know if all we can do is shine a bit of a light on them and get a few more people to watch them and talk about them I think you know it'd be a great thing so mm-hmm. please do you know um, share and, and talk about these because yeah incredible movies incredible mm-hmm. story taking uh storytelling um this has been the UK Film Review Podcast um thank you Brian for joining me all right it's a pleasure as always um, can't wait for the next one absolutely and uh thank you to anyone listening thank you to the filmmakers for submitting your films and we will see you again next time bye for now bye
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.